Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Well, welcome back to the golf show. Um, we want to thank you for listening as usual. And um, we're going to uh, go on the fan hotline now, which is brought to you by Workers' Compensation Law Firm of Hall and Capitas. And we're going to welcome a um, uh, frequent flyer on, on the show. Uh, he's a good man, he's a friend, and he's a very good writer. Bob Herrig is ESPN's senior writer and covers a lot of golf and writes a lot about golf, and we're going to talk a little bit of golf. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for coming on this morning. Is Bob there? I'm here, Mike. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. I hear you now. Um, How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I am um, doing well. Um, I thought it would be interesting to uh, hear your thoughts on how things played out on Sunday at the Masters. Yeah, well, it looked like a slam dunk for almost, uh, you know, through after a shaky start for Hideki, he built his lead to six shots, and it looked like he was just going to waltz in, and then all of a sudden – you know, Xander Shoffley made it interesting, and so did Hideki. I mean, I'm trying to think how many how many guys have won the Masters and and uh, bogeyed the uh, three of the last four holes to do it. Now, not too yeah. many not too many champions do that, but of course he he had the cushion that allowed him to, and uh, you know you know he was he was feeling it. That that was a big burden that he had to go into the final round with a four shot lead. Um, hadn't won in four years, almost four years. So there was that pressure, plus just the pressure of trying to win a major and all the expectations that come with him. So it would have been interesting to see my, how it might have played out over the last couple of holes if Shoffley hits the green on 16 instead of hitting it in yep. the water. You know, that, that had to be a big sigh of relief for Hideki. And, you know, Zal Torres had, had gotten close early also was only one back and then he sort of faded for a few holes and then made a late run so you had you had a little bit of drama there but uh but for the most part it was Hideki's day and and you know he he was a a very worthy winner and obviously he's a very interesting story in golf going forward you know he's he's going to be if he wasn't already um he is going to be one popular guy in Japan yeah, I think he's 
he was pretty popular already and now even more so. I mean, you can just see from the, the reaction over there, uh, the, you know, sort of just the, the interest in it. You know, uh, people were up at eight in the morning watching. Actually, eight in the morning is what it would have been ending for them. So earlier than that. Yeah. And, uh, they're pretty, you know, they're uh, next to the United States. They're like the second biggest golf country in the world in terms of <clears throat> spending on golf and, and interest in golf. And so it's been a long time coming really for them to get a major champion in the men's game. And uh, as I said earlier, that's going to, that w- victory is going to open, I think, a lot of doors for young people over there, not only in Japan, but throughout the Southeast Asia, you know, part of the world. Sure. You know, they're, they're looking for idols and they see what he did and might be inspired to play. You know, they, they had a big golf boom in the eighties that sort of um, plateaued there with, you know, in the 15, 20 years ago when, when the, um, you know, when the economy started to go poorly uh, around the world, and they're looking to build that back up, you know, and they're, they're a country that where golf is expensive, and they're, in, in a lot of ways, they're like us with that. They need, they need more access, and uh, they need more opportunities, and, and given their, um, the fact that they have state-funded Olympic programs, that's one way for them to get young people into golf, because they they nurture Olympic athletes uh, that they see who have promise in all the sports. And now that golf is an Olympic sport, that's another avenue for growing it for them. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier that, that it was interesting. Uh, you said that you know, he took a four-shot lead into Sunday, and there's a lot of pressure involved with that. Maybe not so much the number, uh, you know, the four-shot lead, but just leading going into the final round. Uh, and you hear, you know, talk all the time about what's what's a comfortable lead, what's not. I don't know, you know, especially in a tournament like the Masters, I don't know if there is a comfortable lead. There's probably not. And, I mean, he got off to a shaky start. His tee shot on one went way right. He made bogey, and the lead was already down to one. Yep. Because Zalatoris had made a bit of a move in front of him. And so really, it's gone. You know, it's basically gone. Now nobody ever did tie him. But, uh, right. you know, he, he, he had a, it was a bit shaky for him there at the beginning. And now he birdied two. He calmed down. He had a couple of really good up and downs. And, you know, by the time he got to 12, I think through 12, he was up six. Yep. You know, and that you, you you get you get the ball off the tee on twelve, and you're up six. You're feeling pretty good about things. So, because let's be honest, he didn't he didn't really need to do what he did on fifteen. He could have probably laid up, although that's not an easy shot either. No. Um, if you do that, but you can take the water out of play on thirteen and fifteen if you are if you are in a good good situation and you don't have to make a birdie. Uh, right. and, and obviously on 16, he just played as safe as could be. There was all of Georgia to the right of that pin, just hit it over there. Yes, he three putted, but he took the water out of play. So, you know, but, but of course, when somebody makes a move on you, like Shoffley, he birdied, 
uh, what was it? I believe he birdied 12, 13, 14, and 15. Uh, to get it. And, then, yeah. uh, and, and so then when Hideki make, hits it in the water on, on 15, all of a sudden that six shot lead's almost gone. And, yep. uh, it, again, it would have been interesting to see, you know, Shoffley has the tee on 16, and he says he misjudged the wind, which is quite possible, but he also was seemingly going right at the pin, which, why wouldn't you hit that ball 10 yards to the right and let it funnel over there? Now, yep. if, you, if, you're, if you're short, you're still on the green. I mean, yep. one way or the other, he misplayed it, and it was, it was, a, it was a bad mental mistake because if you get that ball on the green, now, and, and you even have any kind of a reasonable birdie putt, you make Matsuyama have to hit a better shot than he hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everybody talked about how great it was going to be to have the Masters back uh, in April, where it's always been for the most, well, not always, but most of the time is in April. Um, and you were there in November, and you've been there for a lot of the April uh, Masters. Did it feel different? Was there any kind of different feel throughout the week? Well, it certainly felt different than November. Um, that was a that was a one off that I don't think we ever want to see again. Yeah. You know, I mean, under the circumstances, that's what needed to be done, and they did a great job to pull it off. But I've said to many people about that. It was really neat for one day to get to see the golf course with hardly anybody on it, no ropes. Um, and being able to get views you would normally get. But after one day, it kind of got old, and, and with nobody out there and no atmosphere at all, really, it just, you know, it just didn't seem like Masters. You know? So yeah. at least you had more of a feel of that this time. Now, look, there were not a lot of people there, probably less than I expected, but in certain places, they, they were there, you know, the Amen Corner, um, on 18, you could hear noise, you could hear cheering, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was, it actually, it was a pleasant view with this way, because as you know, it's probably too crowded in a normal year. Oh, you know, for so sure. any, any, anybody who was out there actually had a, probably a really nice viewing experience, along with the fact that they were able to feel some atmosphere. Yeah. And, and have that vibe, you know, of, of cheering and moans and groans and all that kind of stuff. So in that way, it was really good. Um, uh, you know, it was still odd. You know, everybody's, it's 80 degrees out there and everybody's wearing masks. Um, you know, they tried to make people distance their chairs. Uh, there were no grandstands. You know, I think that was missed. No grandstands behind 12. Not, not on yep. 15, 16. Um, so, but they did a pretty good job of pulling it off, I thought. And, uh, um, you know, they, they were, they and the PJ Championship, as it turned out, well, in the U.S. Open too, really, are going to be the unlucky ones in all of this because they'll have had to have had a, a, a one major with nobody and then the next one with limited. And, uh, you know, who would have ever thought that, I guess, but, uh, at least we're getting back some sense of what it used to be. Yeah, that's it, it was much better than no noise at all right. or trying to pipe in noise like we've seen in other sports, which 
to me has been dumb from the start, but it was <laughs> to me it was awesome. It was great to watch, and, and um, I enjoyed all four days. Um, real quick before we before we end our, our chat today, um, how about Stuart Sink? Yeah, great. How about that? Sixty-two, I believe it. You have two sixty-threes to start. That's pretty good. And um, you know, he uh, he 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 got in the Masters because he won in the fall. Uh, you know, yeah. he won the uh, what did he win? I believe he won the Safeway. Yeah, he won the Safeway in the fall. Yeah. So his first win since he won the Open in two thousand and nine. So he had gone 11 years since he last won. And, of course, we all remember who he beat at that Open. And I remember mm-hmm. back then thinking, you know, for all the disappointment over Tom Watson not winning, I thought, well, Stuart Sink can use this to build on. You know, what a great win. You know, he was he had always been sort of hovering around being a, a great player. He'd been on Ryder Cup teams and been pretty effective and, you know, had won a, I believe he had uh, – contended in a world golf event or two. And so the British Open was going to push him over the top. Yep. Well, it never happened. Like, he he had about a, another maybe a decent year after that, and then he just kind of continued to fall off and uh, never built on it. And, you know, here now he's 47 at the time when you wouldn't think that he'd be, he'd be playing great, and he is. So, you know, if he could get it done there, he gets in the Masters again. And, um, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty good story in, in a game filled with young players who hit it a mile, you know, to exactly. see a guy his age possibly win twice in the same year. And he's a great guy. Um, just to, to, and I told the story earlier, I got a chance to play with him in a, um, pro-am up, up here at Laurel Valley. And, um, he was, that was a, a wonderful four hours. My golf stunk, but it was great being with him and listening to him <laughs> tell stories and all that, you know, that kind of stuff. It was, he's, he's been one of my favorites since then. And, uh, I'd love to see him win this weekend. Yeah. Well, fun. Bob, thank you. I, I appreciate you, um, coming on with me this morning. And, um, I wanted to, you know, tap your, your brain a little bit and see, you know, how you felt last week and what it felt like. And, um, Pretty cool week, but there's lots more to go on the PGA Tour schedule. So um, we'll talk again a little later. Sounds good, Mike. Thank thank you. All right. Stay well. Talk to you. That's Bob Herrig from ESPN. Good guy, longtime golf observer, and um, interesting thoughts from him. Um, We're going to take a break and come back and talk to Mark Getz, as I mentioned earlier. Pretty cool kid. Pretty cool what he did this week and down in Bridgeport, West Virginia. We'll do that after this break. You're listening to The Golf Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. <laughs> 